5021 David, we got a fender down and two GSWs to the chest. I need you to meet us at Molly's. <laughs> For the most powerful podcast on the planet. Ladies and gentlemen, I go by the name of Leroy Hawkins, and if you're not listening, you obviously ain't learning. Copy that. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride hey shyhards welcome to meet us at molly's episode 190 190 uh crazy what what that's crazy Crazy. how awesome would that be if our 200th episode synced up with fires we're not that far. Isn't five? Isn't the hundredth like ten oh five or the two hundredth? It's like ten oh five. Uh huh. We should like deliberately stretch it out so that the, our two hundredth. I need to up like yeah. I need to go through and figure out like yeah. Oh, we should do that. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting close. We're, yeah, we're getting close. Yeah. So well, we have <laughs> five weeks of the season, so we'd have to be at one ninety five. For the season premieres, right? Five, six, seven, eight. No, we'd have to be at oh. 196 for the season premieres. I'll look at, I'll, I'm, we're gonna look into this. Ooh. <laughs> and how convenient that there's five weeks left until the season premieres. <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah, yeah, we gotta, we may need to, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll figure we, it out. We gotta do some math. We gotta do some yeah. math. So we're, we're going back today and we're covering one of my all-time favorites of Chicago PD. Um, this might be one of your all-time favorites too. I don't know. It's but- really, I really like this episode. I just, <laughs> I love season three of PD in general. Like so many of my favorite episodes from PD's run are season three. Like if I'm like, I just need to put on something, whatever. Like I'm going to probably put on a PD episode from season three. Yeah. Um, I just I love this season so yeah I, I season love three season. is so good I so love good. and I know that's not like some people really don't like season three I love season three I feel the same way about PD and the same way I do about One Tree Hill take a drink Gina made a One Tree Hill reference but I was also listening to Drama Queens today so it's like fresh in my brain <laughs> but three and four were the best seasons of One Tree Hill hands down season three is my favorite season of One Tree Hill Um, I like four a little bit more than three just because everything is on the next level and it's super emo and dramatic and stuff, but also don't sleep on six. Six is fantastic. Uh, Winter Hill. We don't talk about season six of Chicago PD. (laughs) Yeah. that. Yeah. We don't talk about that. Uh, But in, in three of both shows, really, there's like, there's the dramatic element, but there's also still that lightness and it's the perfect balance of the two. Yeah. I, yeah. I love season three PD. Now, I will share this hot take that by season eight of One Tree Hill, things weren't that great. Uh, Yeah, I died off after six. I mean, I've seen seven, eight, nine, but like I never go back and watch seven, eight, nine. Eight eight of One Tree Hill is my least favorite season. Season eight is my least favorite of One Tree Hill. Season nine was good. They finally had like an an ending in sight, but uh, season eight. mm, Um, I think the only good part of season eight was Chuck singing that song to Chase at Trick. I whatever um trauma queens it's like in my brain i know i know i was listening to it earlier this morning too yeah and um it was it was the episode when peyton goes to the party and she gets roofied yeah and Ailey's first kiss 
Oh, Neely's first kiss. Yeah. They're getting into like the good stuff in season one. Cause I think the next episode is when Lucas has the car accident. I think so. Which like that episode just breaks me. Um, welcome to One Tree Hill. Shout out Molly's. Um, <laughs> welcome to meet us at Trek. Um, yeah. So yeah, we're covering season, uh, Chicago PD season three, episode seven, a dead kid, a notebook, and a bunch of maybes, a lot of maybes, sorry. A dead kid, a notebook, and a lot of maybes. I love this episode. Love it. Yeah. This is up there with the way station for me and the way station we all know I love because Jay's calling the place. Um, so we've got a little bit of news, not a ton, like really not a ton at all. Um, and this is like late news too. We're totally late on this, but you guys probably saw the article on Deadline that Chicago Med is actually one of the first shows to require COVID-19 vaccinations. For- I think it's the first network show and like one of maybe like the second or third show just in general, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah, they're they're requiring COVID-19 vaccinations for everybody in zone A and zone A is like main cast, you know, pertinent people and crew, things like that. Yeah, it's basically cast and anyone who has direct contact with the cast. So yeah. So All good. Yeah, as they should. Safe, yeah. Man. And I have a feeling if Med is doing it, then Fire and PD can't be far behind them. Right, right. And I, I and think then so- I would assume that means like FBI. Like I would assume anything Dick Wolf is not that far behind them. Right, right. Absolutely. And it makes sense for Med too, because they're they shoot all indoors, right? Like fire and PD are at least outdoors some of the some of the time. Med is all within that one set. For the most part, yeah. Yeah. So um cool. Good. Awesome. I'm happy to see it. Yeah. So yeah. Um also, we've been totally like hashtag blessed with all the social media content coming from the med set lately. I know. And they're usually like not ones for behind the scenes content. So no, but you know, who's been like feeding us. It's been Guy Lockard, the, the new doctor on set and uh, Courtney, paramedic mm-hmm. Courtney. I'm not sure how to say her last name, so I don't want to attempt it. Uh, but paramedic Courtney and, and Guy have been just like feeding us. And I know the love on that set. I'm like, I want a hug. Oh my God. The video that Guy posted on his Instagram stories today, mm-hmm. today being Wednesday of Eamon coming to the set to say oh. hi. And oh my God, I like love him already. They're so cute. Also, Guy, when are you coming on the podcast? Soon, hopefully. We love you already. We just want to be your friend. But actually though. Actually but actually though uh yeah so all the content from there has been great um I, i've started following some of the background actors too and uh and they're pretty funny um there is one on instagram john kingsley is is his name and he's a background surgeon but he posted a picture of his name tag the other day and it was dr drake ramore which if you're a friends fan i mean yeah yeah uh, but it seems like he's background so he's gonna slot in wherever he's needed so he was like he was a cop the next day and then like he posted a picture the other day as like a homeless man. And I just commented and I was like, wow, Dr. Ramore has got like a really complex backstory. <laughs> and, well, and I saw like, something, I, I think med was trying to film recently or they had a permit recently for a homeless um, encampment. Oh, did they? So okay. I don't, I think it was med. Somebody did, mm-hmm. but like, uh, who knows? That's going to become a fun game this season of like spot the background actors we know from Instagram. Yeah. That's going to be a fun one. Yeah. I'm so excited for the seasons. I'm just I'm, so, I'm like, I'm ready. Let's go. I know. Five weeks from today. Five weeks from today. 
by today being Wednesday when we're recording, yeah. but like, let's go. I'm so ready. I'm so ready. I'm ready for fall and like cooler temperatures and pumpkin spice, everything and our shows. I'm ready. I'm so ready. And that week, that like third, second to last week of September, that's like Christmas for the TV fans. Like everything comes back that week. Yeah, it's that week. And then the week after that is like everything coming back. Um, Cause I think the Sunday night when I'm in Atlanta is when the rookie comes back and I'm like, damn it. Like, why am I going to be out of like, out of wedding when the rookie, um, I'm like, mm. I'm going to be in New York when La Casa drops. Ah, La Casa. I know. I know. And, and, and not only when La Casa drops, but also when Shang-Chi comes out same day. Yes. Yep. Yeah. My, my niece, my sweet little niece is going to be trying to get my attention. I'm going to be like, not now. Aunt Gina is busy watching a show in spain leave me alone (laughs) yeah i've already told my dad because he usually waits for his sister to watch like all the tv shows i'm like i'm not i'm not waiting for you guys like i'm i'm not waiting i'm watching la casa like without you guys like i don't even care that should be our next patron bonus episode is all about la casa oh my god and why you should watch it oh my god yes spanish shows in general god the shows out of spain are so freaking good I've started diving into like other international shows on Netflix now, just cause like, why not? You know, um, I went looking for some French ones because I minored in French. So I'm just like testing my skills like a bajillion years later, started watching Lupin. Haven't finished it yet. I was kind of busy, but the other one I've started is one out of Japan. Um, midnight diner is what it's called. And it's just these like sweet, wholesome stories about this guy who runs this like 24 hour diner in Japan. And I don't know, just, just, I'm just poking around trying to see what I can find. Yeah, um, just the med vaccinations is really the only news we had. There's really nothing else. I know um, the fandom has been really good about tracking filming permits and like behind the scenes photos and everything. I know everyone's were- trying to figure out when the crossover is. That's really like, yeah, when is the crossover. Oh my God. But the detective work, you guys, like we are so proud of this fandom for the detective work. It's so incredible. But actually though. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of uh well okay you guys know that next week we're collaborating with ladies night at molly's and logan at ladies night has been just like 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 intelligence to just hire her um she comes out with these updates every now and then where she's like guys there's a filming permit for this and this added with this for this date and we're just like oh shit what is it like point should just hire her because she's crushing it yeah it's awesome i think all we know about the crossover so far is that there's an there's some sort of scene with 61 getting a police escort, which we're kind of terrified for. That's all we know. But is that the crossover, though? Do we know that officially? <laughs> we don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I we don't know. We just know the crossovers usually have been earlier recently, like earlier in the season. But like, I don't it's, know. It's usually episode two or episode three. The infection was four, but that was just such a production. I feel yeah. like that was like two. No, it wasn't two. No, the first one, the season seven, the where we meet Chloe. Oh yeah, that one was two. And where Papa Halstead unfortunately meets his demise. Yeah, um, that was. I, I I will never forget the all nighter I pulled for that one. That was brutal. Yeah, my only hope, my only wish is that they don't make it part of Fire's 200th episode like they did that when they did PD's 100th. Remember, they did that Fire and PD crossover for PD's 100th. Mm-hmm. Eh, I, I, I'd rather Fire just have their own 200th episode and like leave the crossover to be the crossover. But yeah, yeah. So 
yeah um five weeks and counting y'all let's do it let's go i'm so ready <laughs> i know i'm like let's go let's go i know oh i'm just i'm ready i've got my like one chicago thinking cap on like i'm just let's go <laughs> i'm so ready all right so we do have a couple patron shout outs this week which is cool we've got two which is awesome um do we have three i feel like somebody sneaked in there last minute uh i'll pull it up while you start reading hold on okay so the first patron shout out we've got is sandra strong sandra hi welcome to the family thank you so much for supporting us we love you i we're just so thankful and yeah again we're just we're just we're full of feels and just ready for everybody to come back so just like forgive us i don't know (laughs) but welcome to the family please make sure you join the facebook group because we are definitely going to do another patron happy hour leading up to the new season so sandra strong thank you Go ahead with the second one. Um, and Catherine, Catherine, welcome to the patron fam. We're so glad you're here. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You guys, please remember to join the Facebook group. But yeah, uh, you guys, if you would like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, please check out the link in our socials to our Patreon page. There's all sorts of different tiers. You guys can scope that out, see what tier might be best for you. We've got all sorts of cool stuff. Shout outs on the pod, as you've seen, um, the Facebook group, discount code to the merch store. We're going to do another patron happy hour. And the last one was quite lit. We made the, dis- we made the mistake of doing the last one on a weeknight. We learned our lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we learned our lesson. So we'll be, a uh, we'll be putting out the invite for that one pretty soon. So cool. Cool. Did we have a sneak third one? I feel like we did. No, no, it was, no. Okay, cool. We're good. All right, so shall we move into the episode? Let's do it. I freaking love this episode. So good. This is just peak intelligence. This is just intelligence being peak intelligence, and I love it so much. It's so good. A lot of you guys had replied when we had, um, we let you know that we were doing this episode, and a lot of people replied, and they were like, this is where I fell in love with Jay. Yeah. Which, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Yeah. This is a really good Jay episode. I don't know if this is when I first fell in love with Jay, but I think this is this might be one of the first episodes where I kind of took a second and stepped back and was like, Jesse's really fucking talented. Yeah. I think, and yeah, I wouldn't say, I don't think, I think I fell in love with Jay before this, but um, I think this is the first time you really start to think about like Halstead's past, like his past and, you know, like, really who he is as a character and kind of you know all that backstory stuff yeah Um, because up until this point we really hadn't had much besides the fact that he was military mouse is a friend of his from the military and then all the ben corson stuff like we really didn't know like a ton a ton of about him so Mm -hmm. yeah 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 so we'll start off with the case because this is like the meatiest part of the episode and it's really the best this case is just like in terms of execution like but so heartbreaking at the same time. Oh yeah, totally like rip your heart out. But also, I mean, the twists and turns and then like right at the last minute when you think you've got to figure it out, you don't. And it's, it, yeah, just th- this whole episode is just a masterpiece. So, okay. So we start off and Kim and Roman, ugh, Roman, they are at the home of this young boy, Colin. He's missing. So they're talking to his mom 
And, you know, he didn't come home. So his mom found this notebook under his bed and it's got these just really grim things in there. There's really graphic illustrations of violence and there's these descriptions and these statements. And there's like something in there that says like, I want to kill. Today I will have my revenge at WCD. That's his school. And so Roman's like, okay, well, does he have access to a gun? We cut over to WCD and it's chaos. People are running, they're evacuating, doing the thing. And Voight and the rest of the team roll up. And the headmaster is like, yeah, okay, Colin was not here, but his bike was outside. So he's around somewhere. And they find his body outside the school. So they're all kind of around the scene. They're investigating. It looks like a suicide. Everything lines up. Aaron opens a bag and there is a bomb. Casual. Mm -hmm. Bomb. You know, at this point, I'm like, am I watching my Canadian cop show? Like, this is crazy. (laughs) Actually, one of my favorite episodes of Flashpoint is actually pretty similar to this. Clearly, you have a type. Yeah, I I have a type. Cop shows. (laughs) Cop shows, whodunits, and post-apocalyptic dramas. I'm there. Just... You want to sucker me in, or just a first responder show in general. Just like, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I am oh, in, I am trash. That is all I need to know. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, they find out that it's, it's a pretty crude pipe bomb. Um, they, they do away with it and everything. And, and so Aaron, Jay, and Al, they go talk to Colin's mom. Al. I know. I know. Uh, RIP. RIP, man. You want to talk about characters that deserve better. And I know we go on this tangent every time we talk about Al, but. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. He pretty much died for Voight. Never getting over it. And Voight just got off. Like nothing ever happened. Never getting over it. So Al's flipping through the notebook. Aaron questions the mom and she notices something about the friend EJ. Uh. The mom is just like, I don't really know. I work two jobs. Like, I'm a single mom. I came home late. I don't know. Aaron's a little judgy in this moment. Did you catch that? A little bit. She's like, well, um, she, Al's like flipping through the notebook and, and the mom says something and Aaron just looks at her and goes, so he was mostly unsupervised. Don't be judgy. Although I guess she wasn't being judgy. I mean, she's nobody to judge, right? Yeah. Yeah, funny. So uh, so we go back to the 21st and intelligence is putting together what they know. And this is just like, like the, the, just the puzzle of building this case and they build it so well. And like, yeah. So Aaron points out this guy, EJ, in the book. And, you know, it says like, talk with EJ at practice. He's the only one that gets it. I have to do this. So Adam figures out that there's an EJ on the swim on the swim team. So Colin was on the swim team with this kid, EJ and EJ stands for Ethan Jones. They go to Ethan's house and they find plans on a computer for how to build a homemade bomb. So Burgess and Roman, they go to swim practice or they go to the school basically to find Ethan and they interrupt the swim practice. And the coach is like, well, he's not here. Like I dismissed him from the team about a month ago. And so wait, who said this line of dialogue right here? 
the coach. That's why it's like, so I hate this line of dialogue. Like, I didn't remember it until I watched it. But when the coach says, he's like, you know, we're supposed to be grieving. But if you think about what could have happened, maybe we should be celebrating. Like, what could have happened in terms of the pipe bomb? Well, and even just if they had gone in and like, say, for example, like shot up the school or just any, you know, yeah. Who says that? This coach, unfortunately. You know, I always talk about a lot of politicians in terms of like how punchable their faces are. This coach had a very punchable face too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Clearly was never meant to be around kids. Uh, no. For multiple, for multiple reasons. But. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, th- this coach definitely had a punchable face. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so at that point, they hear screaming from the hall and they run out to find Ethan being beat up by half the school. Which, by the way, half the school. Why weren't these kids in class? I know. I guess it was after school. Like if swim team was meeting, I would assume it's like probably after school at this point. Jeez. I would assume. I don't know, but. Huh. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. Cause yeah, like the whole school comes running. I'm like, why aren't you brats in class? What are you doing? That's the only thing I can think of is that like, if they were having clearly what I would presume to be a swim team meeting, then like uh, they're after school. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So they bring Ethan in for questioning and Voight's like, okay, well, Aaron and I will go in. Like, we'll do this. And Jay stops him. Loner. Bunch of fights at school. Arguments with teachers. Violent video games on his computer. Guys, this is Detective McCabe from the Youth Division. Since Ethan's a minor, he has to be in there with us. As an observer. No, he's a minor who hasn't been charged with a crime. Let's play nice. You and me. Sarge, let me do this. I used to be this kid. Just like resurrecting the, the, our, our favorite conversation of what was Jay like in high school. Yeah. Oh, man. Just, honestly, just the way, first of all, Jesse delivers this line. I mean, it's not even like you don't even know any details. It, you know, it allows you to come up with all these theories. But like, it's just, oh, man. Like, the way he says, he's like, I used to be this kid. It's just, like, knife right through the heart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I could definitely see Jay being the loner who got in fights and that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I think Jay was definitely an instigator because he, he quite literally was probably too cool for school. He was just like, this is so beneath me. Yeah. That, yeah. He probably did get in a lot of fights. I could see that. Mm-hmm. I still need to know if Adam and Jay went to high school together. I still need to know. But if they did, they ran in completely different circles. Oh, yeah. They definitely did not know each other in high school. Was Adam a popular kid? Um, That's a great question. No, Adam wasn't a popular kid. Adam was a troublemaker. He was class clown. Yeah, I was going to say, I can't imagine. I don't imagine Ruzik being a popular kid in high school. I don't think he was, like, unpopular. I, mean, I don't think he was a loner, but I don't think he's, like, high school varsity athlete either. He was probably always in trouble. Yeah. But so was Jay. So you would think their paths would have crossed. But for different reasons. I need this prequel fic, okay? <laughs> I need multiple prequel fics. And we'll get to that in a second when we talk about Kevin. But yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So Aaron and Jay go in along with the detective from the youth division. And you can tell the connection right off the bat between Jay and this kid. And so EJ tells them he wasn't planning to kill bullies. 
Like that was never the plan. So Jay is just kind of trying to like nudge him to open up a little bit more. And EJ is just about to tell him everything when his mom walks in and he just clams back up again. And EJ's just like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like all the stuff about Colin, like that was his thing. Um, it might be in this scene or maybe it's in another scene where we actually get a little bit of Jay's calm voice where Jay's just like, I'm stay with me. It's okay. And I'm just like, ah, yes, I will. I will do that. Like, I'm here. I'm right here with you. I'm calm. I'm staying with you. <laughs> Uh, yeah so that's just again one chicago asmr i'm just gonna i need to make a super cut of all of jay's calm voice bits and just like put them together and hmm. anyway so kev comes in and kev's like okay well ethan was the suspect in a vandalism case like a couple months back somebody put a rag in the gas tank of a motorcycle and blew it up Okay. So the owner of that motorcycle was, or the, yeah, the motorcycle was Kirby Peterson. He's the senior class president at Webster country day. So Kevin and Antonio go pay him a visit. And Kirby just talks about this prank they pulled on the JV kids on swim team, where basically they would go in the shower and they would take their clothes and everything. And, you know, uh, but you know, Kirby was like, well, this is part of it. Everybody goes through this, but with Ethan, he freaked out. Like he came after me with a fire extinguisher. He threatened me. And that's what this was. So, you know, Antonio and Kev are like, all right, Just write that down. So then Mouse gets a ping on Ethan's phone and it's at Darren Sanders' house. Darren Sanders being the swim coach. Bum, bum, bum. Oh man. Okay. So Burgess and Roman, they go check it out and they find Darren's car spray painted with pedophile all over it. Big ass letters. Ah, it's getting crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Brenda, take it from here. Okay. So they bring Darren in for questioning, but of course he denies anything. He's like, the only thing I'm guilty of is looking after a troubled kid, which like, okay. Um, and he claims that, you know, Ethan turned is the one that turned ultimately turned Colin against him. Um, Darren's like, you know, he lost his father in Afghanistan. But like, finally, I told him, like, Ethan, I can't be your father. And of course, he didn't like that. So that's what Darren's story is. He's sticking with it. So Jay brings Ethan back in for more questioning and, um, you know, ultimately gets Ethan to open up. Um, Because he says, you know, my dad told me I was supposed to be a man. And then Ethan goes on to tell him that, um, you know, Darren recruited him from public school and got him a scholarship at Webster Country Day. Um, And then apparently the same thing happened to Colin, which is why they bonded and that ultimately they decided they wanted to get back at him. He groomed them. Oh, so horrible. Terrible. Oh, my God. Uh, but then they also found out that there was a third boy from a school in Milwaukee where Darren used to teach who reached out to Colin. And they were supposed to meet up with this kid, Jeff, Air that quotes. day to blow up Darren's car with the pipe bomb. But Ethan backed out. And that's when Colin killed himself. So intelligence starts looking into Ethan's story about this Jeff. But they're coming up short. Apparently, there was never any Jeff on any of Darren's teams in Milwaukee. There were never any reports filed with the PD up there. So, and as we find out, the ME, the ME report, of course, comes back on Colin. And we find out that it was not actually suicide. It was a murder. Colin was murdered. 
this goes back to the whole element of this episode is freaking art. Like yeah. they set it up just to make it look one way and it was another. This episode is just like 10.0 execution. Yeah. So then of course, Mouse pulls the security footage from around the place they were supposed to meet up with Jeff earlier that afternoon. And what do we see on the video footage? We see this older guy who lured Colin out of the restaurant and then obviously killed him. So they're like, oh yeah, duh, Darren's in on this. Darren hired this guy, Jeff. And yeah. And then of course, Ruzik confirms it by pulling Darren's bank account records. And it shows that he liquidated a college fund for $3,200 a week ago. So uh, pretty guilty right there. You know, something else I absolutely love with this episode is that the minute Ethan even like alludes to you know him being abused in any way shape or form they don't even know that it's sexual abuse at this point the minute ethan speaks up at all all of intelligence is like we believe you let's fucking go and get this guy well it's not even a conversation yeah no it's not even a conversation like the the minute that even when the car gets vandalized they're like okay we know it was ethan but let's get sanders in here and grill him and ask why somebody would do that so even Voight is like, yeah, you did something right off the bat. He's like, you did something. What did you do? Yeah, it's not, it's honestly not even a question. It's just a matter of like pinning it down on like that it was Sanders. It's not even a question of like, oh, is this like you said about sexual assault or just assault of any kind? Like, it's not even questioning the fact that Ethan put pedophile on the car. It's just like, oh, we got to confirm that it was Sanders. And, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, this episode is almost a little bit of, like ahead of its time, isn't it? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and bit. I mean, we'll, we'll dive more into that after we get to the, like, the very last scene, but a um, little bit. yeah. So Jay tells Ethan that, you know, he's got to go and Ethan asks him, this, asks him this question. She's like, you know, does my mom need to know? And Jay's like, you know, yeah, she does. And Ethan asks Jay if he could be the one to tell her. And he's just like, you know, if that's what you really want. Jay leaves. They're in the kitchen. And Jay leaves and walks out. And Aaron asks Jay if he's okay on his way out of there. And he Jay's like, you know, do me a favor and don't leave me alone with a swims coach. Cause and before he can even finish what he was gonna say, Aaron's like, No, I, I got you. Like I, I. Okay, okay. <laughs> Let's like play this game again of like what the hell? Why is Jay like this? Okay. After rewatching this episode now through like 2021 eyes or just, you know, having rewatched this episode, like in the here and now, I think this is more, I don't think this is anything that happened. Well, I was going to say, I don't think this is anything that happened while he was growing up, but I think the Rodiger case, like the, the Ben Corson, Lonnie Rodiger case, mm-hmm. I think that was a really formative moment in his career. Yeah. We just well, and it, and just his personal life. Yeah. We just don't really know quite why. What well, I mean, I think we do know why. I think, you know, obviously that was a family he was really close to. You know, he was involved with the daughter whose name I can't remember right this second. Abby? Oh, that's his ex-wife. That was ex-wife. That's his ex-wife. Anyway, the blonde girl that I can't mm-hmm. remember her name mm-hmm. right now. Um, but, and so obviously he went through that with them. You know, because basically when you're dating someone, a lot of times you are a part of the family. So at this point he basically went through that with him Mm -hmm. with their family and you know i think it like you said it really informed jay's career i wonder if that was the moment that kind of broke him as a cop and maybe broke isn't the right word but like jaded him um 
And I, what I mean by that is like somebody sent us this Tumblr gift set the other day of like the soundbite when, when Kim became a cop or became a, like a member of intelligence and Al was like, I don't want to see this career break her. Mm-hmm. And then like all of these moments of all the shit she's been through, I was like, well, that's just not nice. But I wonder if this is the moment that quote unquote like broke him was the Ben Corson case. Honestly, now what I'm thinking of, I may need to go back and rewatch where Jay like explains this. Did the Corson case happen before he would have enlisted in the military? Like when they were like, say, teenagers or, you know, whatever? Or was that like when he came back from Afghanistan? I want to say it's when he came back. But now you now you've ended. Now like, I, yeah, you like, you know, now what I'm thinking question. of is like, I don't remember. I just remember that Ben Corson was a kid, you know, like he was not that old when he died. That's all I really remember. But did it technically happen before what would have been Jay leaving for the military or was it after? I want to say it was after. I want to say it was in like the early, early years of him, like first becoming a cop. However, what he was in guns and gangs right before before intelligence. Is that what he was in? I don't know because Antonio was in Vice. I know that for sure. Yeah, Antonio was definitely Vice. Aaron, we don't know where Aaron was before. But I only said guns and gangs because of what he, how he was introduced in yeah, Fire. Yeah, I guess. I guess that would be what you, yeah. But he wouldn't have been a part of that case unless maybe he was like fresh out of the academy or something. Right. I, I, I just, I don't remember. I got to go back and watch where he like explained it to Aaron and like when he goes to see the family again. I got to watch some of those scenes again. Yeah, like why why was the Corson case so monumental and why was it so formative? Well, and honestly, depending on when it happened, and that's kind of why I asked this, is that it could be so formative that that is what pushed him to be a cop. Like, yeah, it was obviously kind of an easy transition to, you know, from the military to being a cop. It was something, you know, he'd use those skills for. But I wonder if the Ben Corson case and the fact that they never got justice, you know, was part of it too. Yeah, and I mean, my my theory now that you've asked that question, I'm wondering now if like, well, what Ben was Ben was the one who was murdered, right? Ben, yeah, yeah. My theory now is like, well, what if Jay had gone to school with Ben, and like that just kind of he carried that with him all through like all through the military and everything. But that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I wonder if it was pre-military or post-military. Oh my god! <laughs> Did we just like blow open a whole new part of Jay's past? So many questions. So many questions still unanswered. We gotta get Jesse on the podcast. I know. But I think we're gonna blow his mind if that ever happens. Of like, okay, let's sit down and talk about all these potential theories. And you can either debunk them or not. He's gonna be like, it's season nine. Why are you talking about season one? (laughs) Because we, these are the important questions. Because this is what we do, Jesse. Where have you been for the past four years? (laughs) That's, yeah, four years almost. I know, Uh-oh. it's almost our fourth birthday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's two crazy. weeks from today. Yeah, that's insane. Just, yeah, um, would he entertain our theories? I, I think he would just think we're crazy, but like- I don't know. In a good way. <laughs> yeah. We don't bite. Promise. Promise. We, we just really love one Chicago and we just really love Jay. Yeah. He just, we just want to protect him. So. Yeah. Go on. Anyway, 
but yeah. So anyway, back to, I do think the more that I think about it now, I definitely think Ben, especially because of why Ben died, you know, he was killed by a pedophile, you know, like all that stuff. I definitely think that has a lot to do with why he reacts this way too. Yeah. And, and I definitely think Jay was abused as a kid. I, I, but I, I think it was physical abuse. Yeah. But I think just in general, I don't even think necessarily with like young boys that remind him of Ben. I think even just in general, like kids being, you know, sexually assaulted, anything that kind of fits in that profile. Because I obviously remember then too, the season four when he goes undercover um, with the school. Oh, yeah. You know, that's a great episode. Um, We should do that one too at some point. But yeah, so I I think it all. No, we didn't do season four. Remember, we started with season five. I, I numbers. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, so Ruzik and Kevin go to the juvenile detention, where of course Darren had been volunteering last year, and to see if they could figure out like who this Jeff guy really is, because clearly Darren probably hired somebody from juvenile detention. So they figure it out. It's this guy named Jesse Mandel, who, of course, was conveniently released three weeks ago. Conveniently. So convenient. His LKA is a halfway house. um, But, of course, he also just so happened to check out earlier that day. Again, oh, so conveniently. So Mouse gets a call from a copper. Because, of course, at this point, they're like, you know, everybody you know stop the trains the airplanes whatever like every security camera like i want you know we got to find this guy so mouse gets a call from a copper for mass transit who spotted jesse mandel outside a train station jay and antonio of course go on this long race whatever and ultimately jay ends up chasing him through the metro cars and um jesse ends up jumping out and getting killed by another metro car coming the other way i think this was the day if i remember correctly that like i mean because you see in the in the sequence jesse like pulls the thing and the door the train doors open while it's running and i think mm-hmm. if i remember correctly, this is the day that like somebody some random chicagoan was just like going about their lives and they saw that and they actually called the police and were like there's a metro train going with its doors open because i remember sophia tweeting and being like Thank you for your concern, but we're good. We're all good. <laughs> we're filming. Appreciate it, but we're good. <laughs> Love that. So then Al and Ruzik in the brown pants, of course, because have to acknowledge anytime Ruzik's in the brown pants. The aviators. Um, yeah. Ruzik's yeah. in the brown pants. Go to Darren's house and arrest him. Um, when Darren's in the holding room, you know, Voight does his Voight thing and tries to get Darren to talk and Voight leaves. And of course, then Darren all of a sudden yells that Jesse wasn't supposed to kill Colin. He was just supposed to scare him. Um, and basically admitting that, you know, he's the one that hired Jesse, you know. Yeah. Just going to point out that Voight was able to get that confession without police brutality. Yes. Yes. A couple little lies, but without police brutality. Yeah. Yeah. So the episode ends with Jay at Ethan's house. And this is just such a, I love this scene so much. So we just, we just have to play the audio. Just like him. That's what my mom says sometimes. I was a soldier too. Yeah. Yeah, man. I've known some heroes. But what you did in public 
telling the truth about what happened. It might just be the bravest thing I've ever seen. I miss him. I know. Did he lose friends? Many, yeah. How do you deal with it? When I get down, I, I uh, try to remind myself that they made a sacrifice so that I could come home and live my life. Just try to honor that. Your dad would be so happy for you right now. Yeah? Yeah. Not just because of what you did. Because it's over. This is what I mean when I say that this episode was ahead of its time. Because Jay is talking to a survivor of sexual assault and he is telling him... Like, you did an amazing, courageous, brave thing. Mm -hmm. By coming forward and speaking yeah. your truth. Mm -hmm. Just this episode's amazing. Yeah. But in the way, I also love how he tied it, you know, obviously, because he's talking to a kid. It is a lot to say. Like, if you said what you just said to Ethan, mm -hmm. I don't know if it would have gone over it the same way. So the fact that he ties it into his dad and, you know, being a military hero and obviously his dad's not around anymore, but like the fact, the fact that he was able to tie it in that way too, in a way that Ethan would have accepted and understood. And I just, yeah, I, I love it. And like commending him for his bravery and just, uh, my God. Yeah. You know how we always say on fire that like, I'm sure Severide still talks to little sweet little Nathan and you know, like, like pink things like that. I yeah. like to imagine that Jay still keeps in touch with Ethan. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's I'm like my headcanon. That head That's like my headcanon. Yeah. That Jay and Ethan still keep in touch. Oh, I love that. Like, I don't think Ethan's going to become a cop. Like, it's not like the fire ones where I feel like every kid kelly comes in contact with like wants to become a firefighter because of him i don't think that's the case here but like i like to think that jay every now and then even if it's just once a year like just you know checks yeah in. oh i love that i love that so much i think i'm just going to start manifesting in the back of in the back of my mind I, like there's going to be a little head kid and that's somewhere this season sweet little nathan is is a candidate at some <laughs> firehouse in chicago yeah that, that's i'm just going to manifest that is he old enough yet Let's see. That was season two, right? Which was 2013. He was but he was probably how old then? Like maybe 12. Nine. You think he was 12? Yeah, man. 10, I, like the youngest. How old I, do you think he was? Nine. No, I think he was older than that. I think he was double digits. Oh. Well, you have to be 21 to join the academy. So then, and I, there's a little happy headcanon in the back of my brain that says that Nathan is in the Academy this year. Close. Yeah. I'd be like right on the edge, but yeah. He's going through the Academy and, and Severide's going to like bump into him and <clears throat> Nathan's going to be like, you don't remember me, do you? Oh, that'd be amazing. That's a new fic I need. I need that fic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So just this, uh. Yeah. But yeah, so that's my head canon for Jay and Ethan. So uh, this episode is so underrated. It really is, though. Oh my god, so good! It really is. 
So again, we got a lot of listener thoughts on this and I, I'm so glad we did because again, this is one of the, uh, this is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, so uh, Miss Sleepy876 said, this episode was killer. Jay's history in the army, the child abuse by the coach, all equaled pain to the heart. Great job of acting by Jesse, a favorite, but painful as a teacher to watch. Yeah, damn straight. Yeah. Um, Yukon Paws said, love it. This just added to the mystery of Halstead's background. I used to be this kid. Was he bullied? The outcast because his family was blue collar. His reaction when he found out what was going on, stir up emotions from the Ben Carson case. Like, yeah, definitely. It's a good question of like, if he was an outcast in high school because his family was very like blue collar. But I think, isn't all of Canaryville like that from what I've heard? Yeah, I think that's what Adam kind of implied when he was talking about it that one yeah. time. So, hmm. Um, Jenna Kennedy said, loved it. A J episode that didn't end up with him getting hurt. Amen to that. True. <laughs> we should start a running list of that and be like, J episodes where he doesn't get hurt. <laughs> uh, it told us more about Halstead. Love the way the writers brought light to a very serious topic. Halstead with kids and a little like emoji heart. Yes, to all of it. Um, Leia said, I liked Halstead before. He seemed like a pretty decent detective and all and an all-around good guy, though he could be a bit cocky, not as bad as Rusik, though. But this episode is what made him my favorite character. He was very empathetic with EJ, truly great. Love it. Love it. Uh, but okay, but Rusik's cockiness is like part of the reason we love him. We're like, you're so arrogant, but you're so adorable. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Holly said, I remember crying every time. It doesn't matter how many times I watch it. One of the best episodes right there. All-time favorites. Agreed. Yep. yep, yep, yep. Um, Jess loves Otter sent us a lot of thoughts on this one. She said, you know, I used to be this kid. I can see Jay as a loner. And I have a hunch that both he and Will were also scholarship students when they were in school and possibly getting bullied for it. In PD221, I love that she has like all the exact references. Love this. She came um, with receipts. Yeah. Jay knows Father McClowski from Kings of Cross Academy. And in Ned 115, Will mentions going to De La Salle for high school. I b- like to believe they went to De La Salle because it seems to be a real school in Chicago, but I can't find anything close to king's cross academy in chicago not even one that has been shut down this is why i love this fandom the googling like the cross referencing i love it she keeps going so and because it is canon that at least will went there it is reasonable to think that they went to the same school and we never found out how jay knew father mccloskey it could be from a previous case either way both are private catholic schools that they very well could have been in that situation especially if they come from a working class family okay but Oh, ooh, 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 that's an interesting one. Like, Jay and Will at a private Catholic school. I could see it, but also how did they pay for it? Scholarships, that's what she's talking about. Okay, all right. I could, I could see Will getting them, but like, what kind of student do we think Jay was? I don't think he was sitting there, like, failing every class. I honestly kind of, now that this is something I just thought about, I wonder if he was one of those kids who secretly did well in school, but didn't act like he didn't give a fuck about it. And like, you know, like he was one of those kids who like maybe didn't do his homework all the time, but aced every test. And like, clearly he was smart. He just like was bored because he didn't care. I like that theory. Yeah. Who's just like effortlessly smart. Yeah. Like he just didn't do his homework. Like he didn't care to like be in school, but he actually secretly liked learning and was smart. He just, you know, didn't want to be in school. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. So she goes on to say, I love that we got 
to learn more about Jay, but it also made me want to learn more. When he talks about how he used to be that kid, it makes me wonder if he was talking about something more than being a loner in school with the possibility of being bullied. The way he reacts to the cases involving children, the way they the way that they are involved more specifically the situation in which they were involved in this case it makes me wonder if he reacts this way because of the memories of Ben Corson or he just wears his heart on his sleeve or if he was in a similar situation growing up where a coach teacher someone else who was supposed to be a trusted figure in his life hurt him like EJ and Ben his reaction to the case it just seems to be impacted more than the rest of the unit and that takes us back to the article that we co-wrote together a bajillion years ago for Talk Nerdy with us. Yes. About Halsteads and headcanons. So many theories. So many theories. So many theories. We wrote that a long time ago. That was like four years ago. That's insane. No, I think it, it was pre-podcast for sure. Yeah, four and a half years ago. Something like that. Yeah. We like barely knew each other at the time. We were like, you like Chicago. You like Chicago. I don't even know if we had, I think we were like obviously Twitter friends, obviously, Mm -hmm. but did I even have your number back then? I don't think I I did. I don't think you had my number yet. No, I think it was, it was, it was our friend. It was our friend, Rachel, who had finally was like, who finally like kind of was like Gina, Bryna, Bryna, Gina, text, go do the thing. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we had been Twitter friends for, for a minute. That's funny. Wild. Oh man. We're going to have to link to that again, just because yeah, I think a lot of it still holds true. Yeah. Oh, man. So many theories. All the theories. But I can, I, I still definitely think Jay was abused as a kid, for sure. Um, Something. But, like, knowing what we know about Pat, I mean, it seemed like Pat didn't really vibe with either of his sons. Yeah. I mean, honestly, though, if... Pat, knowing what we know about Pat, like, wonder if it was something like an uncle or something. And, like, Pat didn't necessarily, wasn't necessarily the father that, you know, Jay and Will wanted him to be, but, like, also maybe defended them a little bit from this uncle. I don't know. So many theories. So many possibilities that it could be. No, I think Pat abused them. I think Pat was the one who probably, like, physically abused them. But... Because, like, Pat didn't approve of Will becoming a doctor. Pat didn't approve of Jay going to the military, but was also, like, secretly proud of him. See, I would have said Pat verbally abused them, yes. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Obviously, he was not happy with, you know, certain things, I feel like. Uh, and it clearly, he seemed to like to drink a lot. So, like, I have a feeling he definitely verbally abused them. I don't know. Something about, I, I don't know, something about the little bit that we've seen makes it hard for me to believe he would physically abuse them but i i don't know Hmm. theories so many theories you guys like halstead theories are like our friendship was quite literally formed on halstead theories pretty much yeah yeah we're good at this game yeah we're good at it so so any other notes about this case no it's just so good it's so good it's so good oh my god the turns okay so let's move on to Al and Berzik. Yeah. Al. Oh, poor Al. I know. I know. Okay. So Platt calls Al aside and tells him that she got a courtesy call from her friend about Michelle. I love this. How she's like, Al, come here. Come here. Come here. I'm like, like, get your ass over here. Yeah. Like behind the desk. So Michelle's release was contingent on one of her parents claiming guardianship. And the point of the show that we're at is that 
you know, Al had the paternity test run, but he threw it out because mm-hmm. he was like, I fuck it, whatever. So if one of the parents has to claim guardianship and if they don't, then she gets put back into the system. And Trudy's like, well, I guess you just wanted to talk it over with Meredith. And as she's saying that Al just signs it and doesn't even think. Okay, cool. So Meredith comes to pay Al a visit and she is pissed, pissed, pissed. You threw away the paternity test without even seeing the results. If I don't step up, it'll go bad for Michelle. What about Lexi? How's it gonna go for her? I can be a father to them both. We'll make it work. We? The daughter of a woman that you had an affair with comes to live with us. We can make that work. It's simple. We, we just find this girl a foster home. I can't just toss her to the wolves. Michelle needs a father. She deserves that. I hear you well. I really do. <laughs> I'm going to put your stuff out on the lawn. If it's not gone by tomorrow, I'm going to burn it. I don't understand how why it has to be one or the other. Yeah, I feel like there should have... I mean, I get why she's upset. Like, I, I definitely understand why she... I think she has every right to be upset, too. <laughs> because that's obviously wrong, and that's, like, that's a lot. But... I think there is room for conversation. And if at the end of the day, it doesn't work and they are just on totally separate pages and that, you know, Meredith doesn't want this reminder of what Al did to her mm-hmm. and Lexi and their lives. And like, I get it. Like, yeah, it sucks, but I get it. But I think there should have been more room for conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like part of me is like, well, Meredith was always too harsh on Al. But the other part of me is like, well, no, I get where she's coming from. She's absolutely in her right to feel the way she feels and to take the actions she takes. It's conflicting. It's like the two sides are just like, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think Meredith's feelings are valid. And I think that Al did fuck up big time in a lot (laughs) of ways with this. And the way he handled it, both on the Michelle and Michelle's mom's side and on the Meredith and Lexi side, like, I definitely agree with that. I just think there should have been more of a conversation. And I don't really know who's to blame for that, if that's Meredith for not really letting Al get a word in, or if it's not, if it's Al for not fighting harder to try to get a word in. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think Al was already on the outskirts you know, because he was already living in the garage, you know, like he was already kind of on his way, Like they were not doing that great. And right. so I think this was just kind of the icing on the cake. Yeah. But yeah. Um, unrelated side note, Joe loves us. <laughs> what? Oh, that? Yeah. He retweeted. Love it. Guys, it's just, he loves us. Love it. Just like, yeah. Put in a good word for us. So we're not psycho. Come on the pod guy love it we love you <laughs> anyway I'm just like, 
cut that out. But yeah, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. So I hope Meredith's doing okay. My God, her life without without Lexi and without Al. I just, oh, I hope she's okay. Yeah, she better have a good support system. I hope she's like found happiness in some way, shape, or form. I hope so. God, that's got to be so hard. Mm-hmm. Oof. Oof. So then we get a Burzik locker room scene. And this just makes me laugh so hard. This is like the one moment of awkward Burzik flirting. Where like most of the Burzik flirting, I'm like, this is awesome. I can get on board with this. This was a little cringy awkward, but like. It's just so cute. I, I don't know. It's cute. adorably cute, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Adam's like, come over. Like, I'm going to make fettuccine Alfredo. And she's like, you cook. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I have a secret recipe. Extra cream. Adam. <laughs> you would, Adam. He would. He would. He would. Also begs the question, though. Does Adam cook? Does Adam cook? I feel like he's one of those guys that, you know, like makes like three things like fettuccine Alfredo probably can cook a steak and like maybe something else. But like, yeah, I don't think he cooks. He will probably make a Michaela like a mean box mac and cheese. Yeah. Like he knows how to put some chicken fingers in the oven. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. He's like all dino nuggies, like dino nugs and craft mac and cheese. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So that was like the fettuccine Alfredo was probably a big stretch for him, right? That was probably one that he like saw it on the Food Network late at night and was like, I should make that for Kim. Adam's such a butthead, but he's our butthead. I know, but we love him. We love him so much. Yeah. So much. I thought it was super cute, the whole back and forth with the cat. And uh, Adam's like, so you're coming over, right? And she's like, "Mm, the cat. He's like, no, don't call. Just come over. (laughs) It's so cute. Uh, precious babies also like at Kim Burgess he is madly in love with you how can you not like tell at this point does Adam need to like fly one of those planes with like a message behind it that says like I'm madly in love with you like what else does Adam need to do I think Kim knows I think she knows I mean I hope she knows I think she knows should he like not breakfast club should he like throw rocks at her window and then have like the boom box over his head like I, what else can adam do like how much more clear can he make it like i am hopelessly in love with you yeah i think she knows it's her move <laughs> yeah knowing and appreciating are kind of two different things and i just feel like the latter not so much even though she probably does but also like ah not ranting about Berzik. But yeah, so later that night, um, Adam is making his famous fettuccine Alfredo with extra cream. I can't say it without laughing. <laughs> and there's a knock at the door. And I love how he opens the door and he's like, hello, beautiful. And it's Al. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, he thinks it's Burgess, but it's really Al and Michelle and they need a place to crash. So um, and then I love how Burgess just shows up and she's like, hello. And it's like, oh, Hi. Hi. <laughs> Looking gorgeous, by the way, with like that bright red lip that I cannot rock for the life of me. Looking gorgeous. Yeah. So just baby Berzik. Love them. I love them so much. Yeah. They're so cute. So 
Last up, we've got Kevin. There's a little Kevin action in here. There's even a Patterson sighting. I know, which I, I guess Patterson was the beginning of season four. So like, I, you know, timeline works out because yeah. this would have been the same time. But Three yeah. PD means four a fire, unfortunately, because yep. four was not good. Not good. So <laughs> Brian, to take us through this one. So we oh, the episode opens with Kevin and Aaron having breakfast together, which I love this little pair um, this is fun and he's like asking her about like what boy thinks of him and they're having this conversation and all of a sudden james whitaker who is the captain of the 31st walks into the diner and sits down for his breakfast and according to kevin he does some big part big card game where all the powerful brothers in the city are there and if you're in that game you're made it this is what kevin says um he goes over to Whitaker's table and introdu- tries to introduce himself. Um, however, he doesn't make that for a great first impression because he interrupted Whitaker's alone time. Like the only 30 minutes that this guy gets alone and Kevin has kind of ruined it. So Kevin's like, oh, fuck, like <laughs> screw this shit up. <laughs> so later on in the episode, Kevin and Al are walking into the district and Al Kevin asks Al he's like hey like you know what do you know and apparently Al used to work with Whitaker and he's just like oh yeah you know yeah we were part of the wild bunch hold on (laughs) Er, like record scratch freeze frame tell me more (laughs) tell me more what was the wild bunch who was in it? I'm imagining this being like a version of the Brat Pack where it was like Void and Al and Whitaker and maybe some other person and they were like the cool Disco kids. Bob. What? Disco Bob. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. And they were like the cool kids. Honestly, I could go for like an early, or even if it just ends up being a fanfic, the early days of like P, like the older PD, like, you know, like, Platt and Voight and Al, like the what their days were like as like younger cops. I would go for. I would read the hell out of that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, out of that fic. Yeah. yeah, but actually though, so later on, Platt gives a letter to Kevin, for, and it's from Whitaker. And I love this scene so much. <laughs> she's like, "You in trouble?" And he's like, "No, like I don't, you know why? Like you heard something?" And she's like, "I'd rather get a call from my gynecologist than a formal letter from Captain Whitaker." Kevin's face. <laughs> it's so good. He has like a brief moment where his face is just like, "Okay, I'm uncomfortable." <laughs> I'd rather get a call from my gynecologist. Oh my god. Just like it's classic Trudy Platism. Yeah, yeah, so good. But of course, it wasn't even a formal letter. All this piece of paper held was an address, a date, and a time. So Kevin kind of gets this look on his face like, oh, maybe I didn't fuck up as badly as I thought I did. So Kevin shows up to the address he was given. And of course, it's one of Whitaker's famous like poker games. And of course, Kevin or Whitaker mentions that, you know, Al put in a good word for Kevin, which like, I just, I love that. Um and of course, not only is Captain Whitaker at this poker game, but like we were mentioning earlier, we get a Bowden sighting, we get a Patterson sighting and some others. And I'm just like, yeah, I, I'm here for this. Yeah, yeah. I'm here for all of it except the Patterson part. I just really hated his character. <laughs> I didn't care. I don't know. But of course, like Kevin brings over 
chair sits down next to Bowden. Bowden gives him a, a cigar too. So like, of course, that's like heaven's sign. Like he's in, you know, like, I love it. Love it. And just the small moment, he like looks at Bowden. He's like, what's going on, chief? Like, yeah, then, he's yeah, in. It's so good. So cute. I don't know. I, I it, it did strike me a little odd that they're, they're all afraid of Captain Whitaker. Like he's not in the ivory tower. He's just in charge of another police station that we know of that we know of yeah but yeah that was cute nothing ever came of that i wish like something had i mean granted we we came across the whole issue with whitaker's uh nephew who got into trouble a couple times but like i think it was his daughter wasn't it or niece? no it was oh it was, no it was his it nephew was it was his nephew, nephew. yeah his, yeah um so the, i mean that came into play but that was about it yeah so i did laugh when you know aaron and aaron and kevin are at breakfast and like Aaron's like, well, what you've got to do is, and Kevin just gets up. And she's like, great cock. Good job, guys. Good job. Yep. That's funny. There was also, uh, off topic and uh, from, from the Kevin stuff, but there was also a Lindsay and Roman scene in this episode that I yeah. actually really like. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. this is right after he lost his friend with, or the little kid with the leukemia. Yeah. And yeah Aaron you know relates it back to Nadia we get a Nadia mention and it's yeah it's actually one of the only tolerable Roman moments I mean the acknowledgement of the shared grief between them I I like that is a teeny little detail that I appreciate so so much yeah like you don't obviously have to talk about it but know that you know I just recently went through something similar you know I'm here if you need me yeah yeah it's beautiful Yeah. yeah it's a good moment oh god this whole episode is just art it really is though so so good so good oh any other notes on this one no i think that's it another it's solid solid pd episode you know a teeny little detail i picked up on after the meredith thing after she's like if you don't get your stuff i'm gonna burn it um al goes back into intelligence and he's just kind of got his head down and he's just like kind of absorbing what happened and if you look back at the scene adam kind of tracks al as he walks by like adam just knows that something's up yeah the teeny little details in there. I love that kind of stuff. So, yeah. This whole episode is just fantastic. So good. So that's about all we've got. So um, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Meet us at Molly's right across the board. Public's having a sale, y'all. Public's having a sale from now until August 22nd. Like the usual sale. 35% off everything. $13 t-shirts. All that good stuff. Um, we have the new Stellaride design that we just put up. All sorts of cool stuff there. You know, definitely check that out. Cool. Um, what else? What else? What else? Uh, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Bryna. I'm at Bryna Kate 13. Don't forget to check the links in our socials for, you know, Patreon, Public, all that other cool stuff. Um, you know, support the pod if you'd like. That's awesome. You guys, next week is our Bretzy episode. Oh, the Bretzy so episode. I'm super excited. I'm so super excited. excited. We're doing this with the ladies at Ladies Night at Molly's. Uh, Logan and Kim. They are so much fun to talk to. I'm yeah. super excited for this one. I think we're going to have a really good time. So your deadline for voice memos, for Bretzy voice memos, August 23rd. August 23rd. Get your voice memos in by then. Um, and you might hear yourself on the pod. So don't forget to send us your favorite Bretzy scenes, your favorite Bretzy moments, all that good stuff. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. I'm really excited. Yeah. So uh, in the meantime, everybody have a good weekend and we will see you next week. Bye.